Hello, and welcome to MTC Audio Lab, brought to you by Melbourne Theatre Company. MTC Audio Lab is theatre for your ears, bringing great dramatic texts to life with some of your favourite stage actors. Melbourne Theatre Company acknowledges the Yalakut Willem peoples of the Bunwarung, the first peoples of country on which these recordings took place. We pay our respects to all of Melbourne's first peoples, to their ancestors and elders, and to our shared future. In this first series, you'll hear great Australian speeches performed by some great Australian actors. Directed by MTC Associate Director Petra Khalif, these recordings give voice and recognition to important speeches and texts from our history. You'll hear an introduction to the speeches by Petra at the beginning of the episode. Lawita O'Donoghue is a lauded Aboriginal Australian. In 1976, O'Donoghue was the first Aboriginal woman to be inducted into the New Order of Australia. The award was in recognition of her work in the welfare field. She was named Australian of the Year in 1984 for her work to improve the welfare of Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. She was invested as a Companion of the Order of Australia in 1999. This is her speech opening the National Congress of Australia's First People in June 2011. Her speech, Since the 1967 referendum, Australia has been living a lie, read by Sharina Clanton. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people should be aware that this recording may contain names and words of deceased persons. Brothers and sisters, let me begin with acknowledgement, thanks, commendation and congratulations. This gathering is, indeed, cause for celebration. Firstly, I want to acknowledge this place as Aboriginal land. Always was, always will be. During my lifetime, I have been bestowed with numerous honours and received many accolades. I have a string of letters after my name that, while I never set out to acquire them, give me a certain amount of satisfaction. Especially when I remember a particular matron back at Colebrook Children's Home who never missed an opportunity to tell me that I would never amount to anything. Little would make me more proud, however, than to see the National Congress succeed and for one of its first achievements to be helping to achieve true and lasting recognition of and protection for our people. Some people regard me as a radical. Others see me as quite conservative. I would say I'm both, as well as a pretty open book. My mixed feelings about the demise of ATSIC, for example, my belief that it was an organisation set up to fail, as well as my disappointment in some people and events of the past, are on the public record and I see no need to rehash them here. Suffice to say that over the past six years, I have despaired of the absence of a national Indigenous voice, a vehicle for our self-determination. I will concede that as the National Congress was being fashioned, 
I wondered at times whether our community had the goods when it came to electing the best people. Then, when the notion of an ethics council emerged, I questioned what right anyone had to judge any one of us by standards not applicable anywhere else. I asked myself if the imposition of gender balance was really necessary, and when the proposed multi-tiered structure was revealed, I found it complicated. Having now had time to metabolise all of these things, I have arrived at a point where I am comfortable with the National Congress as a working model. I venture that it is, as my friend Paul Keating last week described the National Native Title Act 1993, necessarily complex, but nonetheless inspired. I am excited, for example, to see what emerges from the blending of individuals, many of you leaders in your fields, with representatives of sectorial, state and territory and national organisations constituted in various ways. And I have no doubt that gender balance would not have been achieved organically anytime soon. Let it be declared here and now that the old boys club is officially dead. In this forum, at least. I thank my brothers for supporting our sisters in this. I think we can be proud of that. Together, we've done something that no one else has had the guts to do. I would like now to make a few humble suggestions and issue a few challenges to you as delegates. Some are born from my own experience, others are just common sense. I say that you should expect the going to be tough and regrettably, for things to get personal from time to time. The path you have chosen is not for the faint-hearted. Some of your biggest critics will be your own people. So, steal yourselves. A people's movement will necessarily take time to build. I hope you will encourage membership of the National Congress, both within your own families and communities, but also far beyond them. Of course, an organisation with 100,000 inactive members may as well have none. It is not enough to say blithely, I'm a member of the National Congress and do no more. That is having one foot inside the camp and the other foot out, ready to cut and run when the going gets tough. Every one of our people needs to decide are you out or are you in? And if you're out, run your own race and let the rest of us run ours. I am not the first person, nor will I be the last, to observe that the National Congress will only ever be as good, energetic, dynamic, staunch and fearless as all of its people, elected representatives, delegates such as yourselves, members and staff. And none of us should wait for the administration to do all of the heavy lifting. Others have their roles to play too, including governments, opposition parties and public servants. The federal government has said that it will work with the National Congress 
including on measures to close the gap in Indigenous life outcomes and opportunities. The National Congress must also work with the governments of all persuasions on this and everyone else on our agenda. Common features of all of ATSIC's successful negotiations with the government, yes, there were some, were the ability to sensibly argue our position, hold our ground and maintain a good measure of diplomacy, even when it was hard to do. These will also hold the National Congress in good stead, especially when governments, themselves facing challenges, begin looking for easy ways out. Don't give them those outs. Send a message that the National Congress is here to stay. Yesterday, I got the feeling that some people were a little afraid to mention ATSIC. I'm not one of them, because I know that lessons unlearned are opportunities lost. The National Congress can learn much from the experiences of ATSIC and others. In the international context, for example, it must always remember that it exists to advocate for our people, not for Australia per se. While taking a strategic and constructive approach, the National Congress must not be afraid to flex its muscles of independence where required. For all of the talking that will take place here this week, I also hope there'll be a great deal of listening. You have much to learn from each other. It is important that you come with ideas, but none set in concrete. And without personal hobby horses that will achieve little for the greater good. After sharing and listening, you will be in a position to decide what issues are truly critical and should be addressed first. Which brings me to my own personal number one priority. One in which I sincerely hope the National Congress will play a major role. It is something that can underpin the full plethora of other issues that the National Congress will be concerned with. I am talking about advancing constitutional reform, specifically recognising Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in the Australian Constitution. The expert panel on constitutional recognition of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples will advise the federal government on this before the end of the year, with a view to a referendum on the subject being held before the next federal election. Since the 1967 referendum, Australia has been living a lie. It has patted itself on the back as a fair country, one that treats its citizens equally and especially protects the vulnerable. Don't get me wrong. I am proud to have helped to secure the yes vote that recognised us as citizens and more than mere flora and fauna. It was important. But it also pains me to know that the Constitution still contains a potential discriminatory power, which can be used by the Commonwealth against our people or, indeed, any other race.
and that it still lacks any explicit recognition of us or our place as the first Australians. Of course, our founding document was framed in a different era. Many say we cannot judge it by today's standards. Perhaps not, but we can bring it into line with those standards. This would be good not only for our own heads and our hearts, as per advice from the Royal Australian and New Zealand College of Psychiatrists, but also for the nation's soul. In order to succeed, we need political bipartisanship, which thankfully we have at present. And we need to secure the agreement of the Australian people. A national majority of voters and a majority of voters in a majority of states. A Herculean task, and one that has seen many more referenda fail than succeed in the past. Recent debate has swirled around how far we can push the issue of constitutional recognition, where the line is between success and failure. Does it limit matters to merely mention in a preamble that might be inserted in the Constitution? Or can we move beyond relative tokenism to something more meaningful? I strongly hope for the latter. These will not be easy questions to answer, but make no mistake, this is truly a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to make things right for our country. This is something around which the National Congress could play a valuable role informing and encouraging our people to become actively involved and fully engaged. I hope that today's various sessions on constitutional reform will help us all arrive at a better understanding of the mechanics, realities and possibilities of what lies ahead. In order to move beyond superficialities in a unified way, we first need to have an informed and robust discussion amongst ourselves. I spoke earlier about doing justice to our heroes. I would like to leave you with words from a couple of my personal heroes and some others who seemed destined to be. They all go to some of what I've raised for the National Congress here today. Pride, responsibility, strategy, the constructive role we all play and seizing the day. First, two quotes from a great friend of our people, South Africa's Archbishop Desmond Tutu. As he said, my father always used to say, don't raise your voice, improve your argument. Good sense does not always lie with the loudest shouters, nor can we say that a large, unruly crowd is always the best arbiter of what is right. And do your little bit of good where you are. It's those little bits of good put together that overwhelm the world. And finally, some wisdom from two sources from closer to home. Coincidentally, they're both musical in origin, but those who know me well know that I love a good sing-along. The first comes from the Collie Crew, talented youngsters from the northwestern New South Wales, whose rap song, Talk of the Town, 
I'm reliably informed is a hit on YouTube. Think about the choices that you make. Take control of your wheel. Have no shame. When you play the game, screw your head on straight. Step up the plate. Step up the plate. Don't wait till it's too late. And one of my personal favourites, certainly more my own speed, Troy Cassadaly from his beautiful song, I Love This Place. The world outside is a changing thing. One moment you're out, next you're in. I've got a good feeling that we're going to win. If we don't look back on the things that make us sorry, on the road ahead, I can see the sun is shining on your face. I love this place. Today, I've got a good feeling too. Thank you. Great Australian Speeches was directed by Petra Khalid, with performances by Sharina Clanton, Mark Cole-Smith, Mark Downey, Greg Stone, Leonie Wyman, and Isabella Yenna. Theme music by Clements Williams. Sound design and engineering by Nick Woolen. Produced by the team at MTC. Enjoyed this episode? To hear more theatrical tales, subscribe to MTC Audio Lab or learn more by heading to mtc.com.au.